<laughs> I thought this was one of your sound effects with Crackpot calling the kettle black. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's November 15, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 148. This is No Agenda. With news on the Kim Jong-il Drinking Club and coming to you from the La Quinta Crackpot Command Center in upstate New York, Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry. And from a sunny, the sun just came up as a matter of fact, northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Yeah, really in the morning. Yeah. Early. Too much in the morning. <laughs> I appreciate it, John. You know, that really does show some... Uh, some love for the show. Yeah. And you're up, uh, what is it now, a quarter to eight? <laughs> it's Well, yeah, I got up at seven. <laughs> well, it is the Church of No Agenda. Yeah, we're having early service. Early service on the Church of No Agenda. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm at the uh, lovely La Quinta, what is it uh, officially? Inns and Suites. Oh, yeah. In- those are nice. <laughs> no, they're not. It's- yeah, they're fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's oh, not. There goes our free. There goes the free room. <clears throat> There's no free room either. Uh, I love it when you uh, when you want to go have breakfast, and of course they're having a great breakfast up at the house. But you know, it's like I can't have a breakfast up at the house because I got to do my damn show. And uh, so, so you had they have what just the starch breakfast that they serve at these hotels, dude. It's amazing. They have a uh, a waffle iron and uh, and a big uh, ton of waffle goop that that you oh. pour into a paper cup. Oh, you make your own waffles? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> it's cute. And you pour your goop in there and you flip it over and a timer starts automatically. And uh, boy, I'm still feeling the waffle. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be tasting it all day. It feels uh, outstanding. Today's executive producer, by the way, is Stephen Shear. Okay. Of all uh, of, of all people. And I said because uh, he, uh, he and the boys at uh, MWG... Uh, one of the arms companies in Miami that makes the 90 rounder for the M16. Wait a minute. We have uh we are now part of the military industrial complex, John. Well, at least in so far fandom is concerned. <laughs> okay, well, excellent. So um of course you know the deal if you want to be executive producer of uh of one of our shows, all you have to do is come in with the highest donation uh for that particular episode, how much did we receive uh, from the boys? Well, there? It was, he got in under the wire because it was only ninety dollars. That was our highest number oh, this week. That's it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much. Um, and Stephen uh, Sheeran, he can also put it in his resume. And of course, we do appreciate the boys at uh, MWG for uh, being creative. <laughs> yeah. So you can put <laughs> you a can ninety put, rounder. A ninety rounder. <laughs> What is that? That's a a clip or a magazine? Yeah, I guess it's a magazine. A magazine. So uh, we we really appreciate the donation, uh, and you can put that on your resume now as the executive producer of No Agenda, episode 148. We will vouch for you, so feel free to use that, and uh, it could get you gigs. It could actually get you a job. Yeah, if you don't want to shoot your way into a job. So do they make the magazine magazine or the actual ammunition magazine? They make the... What's the difference? Well, there's a magazine where you put ammunition into, and there's a magazine that you read. <laughs> Which one do they make? It's <laughs> good. They make the one you put ammunition into. Awesome. <laughs> the one you read. <laughs> 
And it's called the 90 rounder. The 90 rounder. Yeah, right. five bucks a month. Yeah. Right? So, Just so, our price. <laughs> so if you're, lo- if you're looking for a great deal on a 90 rounder, <laughs> if you want to shoot your way to freedom, check out the boys down at, what was it called? MWG. MWG. I'm so, sure most uh, gun enthusiasts know about these guys. So I'm uh, in uh, upstate New York, in uh, Armonk, near the uh, lovely headquarters of the International Business Machine- Machines Incorporated. Yeah, and you know why they moved to Armonk, right? No, I have no idea. Cheap real they estate? Uh, well, it's, I don't know if it's that cheap. It's kind of a ritzy area. It's very ritzy. It's incredibly expensive up here. Uh, they uh, did a report, a study in the, I believe it was in the 50s or early 60s, uh, discussing what w- would they do uh, in so far as business is concerned if uh, Manhattan, where they were headquartered, I believe, at the time or uh, around there, uh, was uh, nuked. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. And so they decided that Armonk was the safest place. <laughs> so they- <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so that's why they're there. Yeah. Oh, and do you think if a nuke dropped on Manhattan that Armonk actually would be safe? Uh, well, I'm sure it wouldn't be after the the hordes of uh, of, uh, uh, of survivors. The yeah, the survivors came pouring in there, shooting it up. I probably not, but um, that's what they what the report indicates. So I'm really hoping this connection stays alive, John. You are kind of you, you're not downloading porn or anything, are you? Just make no, sure. it's already breaking up already. Mm. Well, a little bit. It's pretty clean, but just from time to time, it's stuttering a bit. Yeah, it's getting worse. We're going to have to move to Gizmo. Uh, no, I don't think so. You watch. So, um, of course, I'm up here for a, a big family gathering. It's uh, my dad's 70th birthday. And uh, this, of course, is at the family homestead, uh, better known as the South Fork of the Curry Clan. Uh, coincidentally located in our monk. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> That's a very, a very interesting thought. I think not. No, we know how safe it is. And of course, uh, this is where uh, my uncle Don lives with the uh, with his lovely wife Aunt Meg. And uh, as God is my witness, John, I popped the question on him last night. Oh, okay. I said, and, and he laughed, right? Did he laugh out loud? Let me, uh, and Mickey was there. She could attest to it. I said, uh, Uncle Don, I've, uh, I would be remiss if I did not ask you straight to your face. Um, we know about uh, Kim Jong-il, and we know about his uh, fabulous wine collection, and uh, my partner, John C. Dvorak, and I think that the guy probably just wants to have a good, a good uh, tasting with someone who just won't give him any crap and will just talk about the wine. And then the laughter came. <laughs> and, uh, it's expected. And he said, well, you know, unfortunately, I have not met uh, the uh, supreme leader of uh, Northern Korea. However, he says, uh, I have uh, had some correspondence with him. He sent some letters. And even better, he sent him some movies for uh, Kim Jong-il to watch. <laughs> he sent him, uh, he gave me a list, uh, including The Patriot and uh, Brothers in Arms, and uh, Whisperers, you know, the Indian uh, decoders. And, no, the, and, and the word came back that uh, Kim Jong-il enjoyed them very, very much. Huh. And uh, so I made, I, I'm starting to make my own list of movies we can, uh, we can recommend uh, and we can send to Kim Jong-il. 
in hopes, of course, that we'll get a, a fine wine tasting someday in the future. I'm thinking we send him Team America. You have well, any thoughts? Is, well, yeah, there's this wine movie that I haven't seen myself that's floating around. Everyone just talks about. Well, that's well, about, <laughs> mostly about Bordeaux wine. Well, why don't why don't we have our uh, producers put together a list? Um, of cool movies, and then I'll go out and I'll buy the DVDs. We'll probably have to get him on uh, VHS. Uh, I don't know if he has a DVD player. Oh, he has to, please. <laughs> well, what region code does he need to use? We have to find so. <laughs> we have to have the right probably, region. No, no, you know what? There's no doubt he's got a, he's got a zero code. Uh, you think? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got no, uh, yeah. No restrictions? He can play no whatever he wants? You sure now? You, I, I would be stunned if he didn't. I so mean, I, come on. I think we should put together a list of cool movies for uh, for King Jung Il to watch. You know, we can actually get them to him. We, we've got a direct line. Mm, that's a good point. Then we could put, put in subtle hints about the wine tasting. Exactly. Can you imagine the, the grief <laughs> I'd have to go through with the State Department if we ever pull this off? No, we're going to pull it off. I'm telling you, we can get these videos to him. It, it, there's been like two shipments so far. So there could right, be a third, the, the trifecta. We're in. Come yeah. on, this is the door is open. There's a crack. We can get in, John. I'm telling you. Uh, well, that's a that's progress. Thank yes. you very much. Yeah. I'm, so it's not like I'm not trying to hook a brother up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it works for me. <laughs> so uh, okay, we'll just we'll keep a this we'll keep this we'll keep uh, this we'll going. Track this. We're, we're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna track it. But um, I think people out there should give us a list of what they think Kim Jong Il would be interested in as a as a as, as a good movie vehicle. as a good as a movie. good movie. Yeah, because you, you know, know maybe we can influence the guy a little bit. And again, the the entire mission is not to save the world. We just want to get John out there to have a nice drink with the guy. Yeah, right. And then I can come back and tell you what I thought. Okay. For those of you who are wondering what this program is all about, here's our formula. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. And sometimes we send them DVDs. So we should probably do a uh, just a short uh, swine flu minute. Oh my goodness! Is it uh, okay? I, I wasn't really prepared for it, John. But if you say it's so. No agenda, swine flu oh boy! It's early in the show. Let's hit it. So I go over to the library yesterday to drop off some books in Albany. And I'm coming down the road. And I go to turn into the into the uh, parking lot, and there's a cop there. Oh, you can't come in here. <laughs> oh, great! And so I'm dry, So I move up further. And there's all these these. There's a, a horde of uh, moms and dads, and their two kids, and they're walking. And I said, Oh, there must be some party or something going there, on. There must be a book is, signing or some rock star, or or, or maybe up. Taylor Swift is in town. So I go around, drive around the corner of the front. There is a line, I swear to God, it was a mile and a half long. And there's big signage that's all been printed up officially. H1N1 vaccinations. Uh, and they had a um, a bunch of people wearing these yellow, looked like you know, there were these bright yellow outfits with, with clipboards. And they're going from person to person to person to person. Asking them, you know, what they, you know, about them, whether they are eligible for this round of sh of shots. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, <clears throat> I find it interesting that because I was watching a lot of UK coverage, mm -hmm. the UK calls them jabs. Yes, they do. And we call them shots. And we're the ones who are really like guns. They don't. They like to fight. 
Yes, well, it, actually, it's interesting. They, they like to fight with knives over in the UK. That's a, that's a very good point. So, so we kind of have the, uh, the, the gun metaphor. Yeah. And the UK, I mean, they use the... Um, uh, Knife and fisticuffs metaphor. I like that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Anyway, so I'm going there, and they're, t- they're asking people questions. They, for, they fill out a form, ask your age, and it was mostly kids. I'm telling you, it was mostly families. It was mom and dad or mom or mom and a stroller or pregnant mom and a stroller or pregnant oh. mom and a dad and a stroller and a kid. Yeah. And uh, there was just – I'm telling you, this line was so long, I took – I couldn't even find the end of it because I was, was like, screw it. I'm not going to walk this line. And wh- but and where was, – was this like at a, a shopping mall or what, what exactly no, no, was, it was the that, it was at the community center. The com- Oh, okay. Which is attached to the Albany Library. Okay, gotcha. And so, and so – um, and it just went, it was unbelievable. And it was not what I, what I call a swiftly moving line. Mm-hmm. And I ran into somebody shortly thereafter who said that the wait was three hours. Now, were they doing the mist, the nasal mist with the actual live virus, or were they using the, uh, uh, the uh, attenuated uh, version? As far as I know, they were doing the shot. The shot, okay. Uh, but I, they may have had missed there for the kids. I have no idea. I didn't get into the place. But it, but they, anyway, the questionnaire said so they'd make him fill out, well, you get to take a shot and you down. It was like, you know, it was almost Sophie's Choice well, kind of what, thing. What, what was the criteria, I wonder, whether you get the well, shot I think or it not? it varies. I mean, they talk about it on the news a lot. You know, are you in the group? Are you uh, old or young? Are you too, you know, it's just, I don't know. And they and they tear off a little a little kind of a, a chit that is got that allows them to get the shot, and they give like they tear one off for the kid, and then they tear one off for the mom. It's pregnant, and then the old man. This has is, to I mean, wait. you know what? They should be scalping these things. This is a great aftermarket, John. We need to be getting these chits or whatever you call them, and we need to be scalping these on the corner. This is good. Well, that makes you wonder with the kind of demand there is that why isn't the government like you know which is paying for most of this stuff as far as I can tell I don't know that this would this cost anything uh, start you know you got the 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 entire public in a panic nick them a hundred bucks a pop exactly <laughs> exactly I mean we already set aside ten billion dollars for the entire program which of course each shot has a an excise tax of uh, like a buck fifty. Which is hidden. So yeah, why not yeah. take a little bit more money? That's perfect. Yeah, I mean it's, it was unbelievable, and this line was, it was, uh, it was, and of course everyone's socializing. Well, you know, uh, we're getting line. I think we're going to get ours. I think they're going to run out. And uh, uh, I don't know. It just was like, wow. You should have stood in line and said, "I'm pregnant. Can't you tell? Please let me in. I, I, I need would to have the shot." We had been there three hours just to do the one gag. I don't think it's worth it. <sighs> It's outrageous. Meanwhile, in uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, uh, there was a kid who was, uh, I guess it was at school in the auditorium. You know, they're setting up these big gymnasium shot sessions for uh, for students. And this kid ran out because he didn't want to, whether he was afraid of a shot or the shot. You know, he's, he like ran away and... Uh, and then the uh, the sheriff's deputies like coaxed him back into the into the gymnasium, and they grabbed him and held him down <laughs> while they while they gave him the shot. I mean, this is, you, you think this is going a little bit too far, perhaps? <laughs> oh my goodness! <sighs> a couple of weeks ago, one of our producers sent me a story, and it was again from some podunk area in the middle of nowhere. Like in the Carolinas or someplace, and we bought some people that got sick over these shots. And I, I think these reports are starting to come in here and there around the 
they were actually probably around the world, but they're they're completely being completely ignored. Of course, not well, how about not how about not just up. ignored, John? How about suppressed? Would that be a word for you? This could, being completely suppressed. Thank you. Or ignored. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be some people getting sick. Uh, there's have been reports of people with neurological disorders after the shot, which of course is to be expected with any vaccine, is what the report will say. But of course, it's yeah. totally safe. You don't have to well, worry. Anyway, so I was distressed to see all these people uh, lined up like sheep. We could close. I mean, here's the jo- here's the joke of it. Before I close the minute, the uh, it's like this flu is mild. It hasn't caused nearly the death toll seasonal flu, has, but nobody ever lines up like this for the seasonal flu. No, and and it hasn't even. This just show you what this shows you what the power of the media and the government is when they want to when they want to push an agenda. They, yeah. It's amazing how uh, they can get results. It's just a matter of pushing people around and tricking them and, and scaring them. Oh, scared! Well, what what, pe- what people fail to understand is that, and it's not even like the government or you know, whoever is uh, really pushing the swine flu agenda, which I believe is uh, pretty much big pharma and the government colluding. But they don't yeah, even have and to. Big the, media. Yeah, well, big media. They don't even have to collude with big media because all big media is interested in is is ratings. That's all that counts. And the way to get ratings is to scare people. You know, Balloon Boy works. Okay, what can we do now? Oh, wait a minute. There's not enough of the vaccine. I mean, it's simple. You just play into the fears of everyone who's watched any science fiction movie or Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman. And they even call it Outbreak consistently instead of Pandemic. We've gone from Pandemic to Outbreak. Outbreak. And meanwhile, the French are... Uh, are starting to. It's no wonder those guys. I think you even wrote an email to someone and said this, John. No wonder these the French don't donate to the show. They're way too smart. No, they're they're, they're all the stuff is old news. Yeah, to the, them. their all, show is like you know, like oh yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. Ah, these two crackpot and boys killed. They have nothing new for me. The the French have already debunked. Basically, they're on the same page we are. Seventy yeah. percent of the French say they're not going to take the shot under any circumstances. They say it's exp- the, the public is, is saying when they when they're polled that, as far as they're concerned, the flu vaccine is experimental. The flu's not that bad. All the stuff we've been saying. Apparently, the mainstream media in France, which is kind of a communist-dominated media, they they've been saying the same thing and pointing the f- finger at Big Pharma for for turning this into like essentially a scam. I was even reading a report here from. Uh Oulala.net. <laughs> Oulala.net. Yeah, these guys are great. <laughs> They're claiming something very interesting that they say that the actual vaccine, of course, every vaccine contains a part of the, uh, of the virus that it's supposed to combat. They're saying that it actually contains a mixture of H1N1 and H5N1, which would be the bird flu. And that, of course, could be a very lethal combination. Yeah, they make this claim in France. This has cropped up a couple of times that they believe or somebody's saying, which is not beyond the realm of possibility because we already know that Baxter had distributed and admitted to distributing a vaccine with H5N1 in it. It's exactly what happened. And this happened in in six countries in Europe. They They distributed this. They had 75 pounds of the stuff that they had mixed up. And luckily some guy in, uh, where was he, John? Czech Republic, I think? Can't remember. He he checked it on some ferrets, which is kind of procedure, and they all died. Yeah, and that's not what's supposed to. Happen. It's like you know, the ferret ain't supposed to die when he gets the when he gets his flu shot. So, uh, so the thinking is is that 
if you wanted to be conspiratorial, is that, well, you, you want to mix these together in case so you can get somebody to live through the process and actually recombine because most of these, uh, these sorts of uh, viruses are always mating with each and then saying, well, why don't you take my N1 and I'll give you my H5 and then we'll see what happens. And, um, to create a real pandemic where, so these drug companies can make some serious money. Yeah, that's why they're all holding back on making this because you know they they're waiting for the for the mutation, they're waiting for the for the uh, what do you call it mutation. Yeah, I guess it is the mutation. They're waiting for that, and then they'll really go into full speed production. There's, or or it's still the adjuvants, which I still think is they're they're waiting to make their case to uh, to bring in the no, adjuvants. No, I think there's I think that why do one thing? You know, let's work on a number of projects. As you said, you do have the we have the powerpoints one of the drug companies that shows uh, how they're going to, you know, essentially turn vaccines into their new huge profit center. Well, it's the pipeline. That's what they call it. They call it the pipeline. They're looking at uh, this was uh, GlaxoSmithKline alone looked at an 18 billion dollar pipeline of vaccines. Vaccines. I love it when you come up with a vaccine against an addiction. So there's going to be a vaccine against nicotine addiction. <clears throat> Which essentially means they're shooting well, some kind makes of no sense, by the way. <laughs> no, but it's not a vaccine. Yeah, but it, but but I can only imagine how it's going to be marketed because this is you know uh, Americans in particular being the world's consumer, you know we're very susceptible to these messages. It's like, well, you know, I've I've already gotten my kid the HPV vaccine so that she won't uh, contract cervical cancer. By the way, you can just get a regular Pap smear and avoid it as well. And uh, well, I've given it to my son as well. Now that the FDA approved it. Um, and now, uh, you know, I don't want my kid to get hooked on cigarettes. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's, let's give my kid the vaccine for that. But what it is, of course, is some kind of neurotransmitter they're shooting into your brain. <laughs> I mean, right. That's, isn't that, you know, to yeah, suppress to the be whole, it's going to be. Yeah. And that just can't be good. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. By the way, my cousin, Lucy, who, uh, oh man, I've always, you know, she's always been, I can't even say it cause they're all listening, but she's always been one of my favorite cousins. And um, uh, she lives right in Washington. She lives right next to, uh, uh, what's her name, Peggy, the new uh, boss of the FDA. Oh. Yeah, uh, you know, the uh, the woman who used to be a consultant for Burger King. Right. And uh, oh, she, oh, she's got some stories. I, I got to get the whole list from her, but she was, she was going to start emailing me. I can't. She said, don't mention me by name. Okay, I won't. And, uh, you know, her husband is like a multi-billionaire and all kinds of interesting businesses. And it's so clear that the Shadow Puppet Theater is on and in full effect. Yeah, and, it, well. and, in, and in Ukraine, they now say that it is not H1N1 that is killing people by uh, in droves. They have a, a, a real pandemic as the way pandemic used to be defined by the World Health Organization, so widespread and people dying, uh, it is the N1N1. N1N1. N1N1, which is 100% lethal. It's like the Black Plague, essentially. I never heard of this. I didn't, in fact, I missed this story. Yeah, no, I'll put the story in the show notes at uh, noagendashow.com. And, of course, not to forget that Baxter International, the very same people who mixed H1N1 with H5N1 and distributed it to six European countries in an actual flu vaccine shot, have a fine R&D lab in Ukraine. Hmm. Well, this will be uh, our continuing coverage. 
Yes, and we will re- revisit this every single show. It's the no agenda swine flu minute. Void where prohibited by law. Uh, so what else we got? You we got some go clips. Yeah, let's do some clips. Well, the, I got one, the complainer <clears throat> is the name of the clip. And this is the kind of person that is probably lurking everywhere around the country. And uh, it's an old woman that's complaining. And they, you, they never pick these people up anymore. If you listen to talk radio, you know, especially the big shots, they have screeners that, that, that talk to you for a few minutes to see if you're suitable. Yeah, and they put, you ahead, you, put you ahead of the line and put you right on the air or, or dump you. Or, or dump you because they think you're nuts or whatever, or or you're going to say something like, for example, if you ever get in on the on the Michael Savage show, the screener is freaky about telling you not to say hello or oh, how yeah, are you doing, yeah, or yeah, yeah exactly. I, I want to say hi to my family. Well, no, just you can't even say hi to Michael Savage. Right. Uh, he b- finds it a- annoying that people would waste his time with pleasantries, and so when it, so I've heard him hang up on people and say, "Hi, Michael, how you doing?" Click. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but these screeners, you know, but uh, but on C-SPAN, on in this case, it was the Washington Journal with some Republican. Oh wait, is, is this the, is this the show where they have the Democratic line, the Republican line, and then the Independent line? Yeah, oh, well, they that have show. that on a lot of their shows. Yeah, but that's th- cool. I like is, that. But this is a woman who called in, uh, and I don't know what line she was on because I missed that part of it, but she it's obviously the independent line if you listen to this. And she just has a kind of an interesting complaint that's meant that I just found was amusing, especially the response to it. Hit okay, it. okay. Good morning, Steve. I can't hardly hear you, but... Oh. Well, we can hear you, so please go ahead, Mary. Okay. Oh, okay, that was three seconds wasted. All right, I'll go ahead. I'm 86 years old, and I sit by all these months uh, listening to what's going on in Washington, and I got news for you. The Democrats have sold their soul to hell. Wait, what did she say? The Democrats have sold their soul to hell. Oh, okay. They're sold to hell. That's where they're, what's the matter. And the Republicans are standing by trying to let them get away with everything they've come out and lied about. And I am also can see a lot of the future. I'm 86 years old. I'm an Indian. I know you're not interested in what I got to say, but America, wake up because we are being took by a bunch of sorry, low-life cockroaches. That's what we're being took by. God bless America and God damn the Washington. I love it. She can she can replace you on the show. She's yeah. she's outstanding. Does it go on? Did they respond? Yeah, yeah, they respond. The response is hilarious. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. And uh, I think we're all interested in what she has to say. Um, to- There's smoke coming out of their ears right now. <laughs> uh, to her one point, really though, that the Republicans aren't. Uh, I forget how she put it. Pushing back to what the Democrats are doing. Uh, certainly in the House, we're trying to push back as much as we possibly can. As Mary probably knows, the Republicans are in the minority, so it just makes it hard on any one of these votes. It comes along party line votes. They have the votes to vote yes. We vote no. Uh, we offer our solutions, but we're not given a chance to hear them. We're, that's not what she's saying at all. 
No. <laughs> she's saying, not what she's saying you were all. all being cooked by the cockroaches <laughs> in Washington. She's outstanding. And, and you know what? There and I love how she goes, Wake up, America. We gotta we gotta <laughs> pull that. Let me see if I can find that again. Can see a lot of the future. I'm eighty six years there old. It comes. I'm I, love her. I love her. I know you're not interested in what I got to say, <laughs> but America, wake, wake up. up. Exactly. <laughs> Fabulous. I love. I do love watch. It's on in the morning, right? That show. I don't know when it's on. I mean, I just you know, I'm like you. I turn on spanning. You know, it's it's almost you know, it's the two channels, and then you go back and forth and back and forth. If there's nothing, then you go to watch something else, and then you go back to it. I don't know. I think it's a weekend show. I'm not sure. Ah, it, I love the, the well the, on the morning show. They do that, and then they uh, they take these questions, and they're screeners. Yeah, they really they got like interns. We we're probably sitting there like, dude, 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 watch me put this one on the air. This is cool. Watch this. There. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but you know. America, it, wake up. If only they would put people like that on the air all the time. That's actually entertaining. Yeah, it is entertaining, and, and it's more accurate than these other guys who are just, you know, the ones that are interesting, I mean, if you listen to the right-wing talkers, uh, they love putting the, the, the people on that just compliment them to excess. You know, Rush, I've been listening to your show since the late 80s, and you are one, you're a true patriot. Ugh. You're like saving the country for the, for all of us. You're the best. Yeah. Yeah, you know, let, let this guy go. Go on, say more, say more. Yes, please, say more, say, say, more. say more for Rushbo, Rushbo. Uh, here you go. Uh, thank you. Rushbo loves you. So, uh, and Savage is another one. He doesn't like the pleasantries, but man, if somebody comes on, you know, especially a woman comes on, start to compliment him, they go on for hours, and never she never cuts them off. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, you know, I'm on the road. I've been on the road for a week. I have absolutely not seen. No, it, it, I take that back. I saw television. They had, it was crazy in the breakfast room, the breakfast area at La Quinta Inn and Suites. It's not a. It's a breakfast area. <laughs> it's like almost like you know the weighing station for trucks. It's the breakfast area over here. And they had a, one TV on in the left corner and caddy cord diagonal across the area. They had uh, another TV on. One was blaring CNN. The other one was blaring Fox. It was like, and I sat in the middle going like, hey, 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 my art, you know, blood trickling out of my ears. And on Fox, there were, and there was a, a guy there with his kid. And we were the only, so like four, we were the only four people in the room. And on Fox, it's like, they found 24 gallons of water on the moon. And, yeah. uh, and this guy, bless his heart, he's like, hear that, hear that, Bobby? We can go fishing on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> like, not for my generation, son, but you'll be going fishing on the moon one day. I'm like, yeah, if you can get around the moon bases we already have up there, it was probably some wastewater. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's, yeah, all, yeah, it's slowly no being revealed. They have, you know, they can't hide it anymore. Slowly being revealed. <laughs> slowly, the the moon bases that have been there for decades are slowly being revealed. Oh, look, some water. Hmm. We can live off the land. <sighs> so, what other clips I got there? You got green testimony, pastor approved, and testimony oh, yeah. something else. Pat. So I'm watching like one of the, uh, I think this was, I believe this was on Fox, but this commercial has been floating around. And I didn't catch the whole thing, but it's a funny commercial for a bunch of clean comics that are 
And I just got the, the only reason I took this clip because I've never seen anything quite like it. There's a bunch of, it's Christian comics, which by the way, I've got nothing against, although personally, from a, from a, a, a that perspective, I think it's blasphemous, but I could be wrong. So, now these, so you're and, talking about comic books? No, comics, comedians, comedians. stand-ups. Ah, okay, all right. And, and wait know, a minute, so they, they're they, clean? They're clean comics. Well, they're clean, and they're mostly talking about church and going to church and the good Lord and all the rest of it. Oh, boring. But the, but the, the, the thing, it, well, definition, it should be boring. Uh, but there's a couple of things in here that were that were worth discussing or at least listening to if you want to hit it. Yeah. So this is pastor approved. Yeah. Yeah. What what is what does this run on, John? I Fox and uh, I some of the Christian stations, as far as I can tell. Okay. But wait, call with your credit card order and save ten dollars. You'll get over two hours of nonstop laughter for only nineteen ninety nine. Plus, each DVD features exclusive bonus material, including outtakes, sketches, and candid interviews. How's your faith affected your comedy? The anger and the rage and the cynicism is gone. Heavenly Comedy Jam is not available in stores. Only Time Life can bring you this comedy club-tested, pastor-approved, one-of-a-kind collection. I do believe in God. <laughs> so get both jam-packed DVDs of Heavenly Comedy for just $19.99. Well, God, that's my life. How'd I do? Order now. Okay. Call one eight hundred. So uh, there's a couple of things that that one little thing in there sounded like you or me making fun of. It the did, thing. yeah. I know. I, I heard that. Yeah. That was actually a guy, one of the comics, doing something. Yeah, God, oh, I believe in God. <laughs> oh God, how'd I do? And that guy was different. But the one that was the pastor approved is funny because I. Why do you have you know? Is this okay? Fine. You want to be that crazy? Yeah, pastor approved. But my favorite was the guy asking. So how's your faith affected your comedy? And the guy says, "My anger, my rage, and my cynicism is all gone." Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking. Wait a minute. Yeah. That's why I go to see a comic. Uh. I'm looking for an angry. I mean, comics are, are generally mean spirited, and that's one of the you know they take again. Comedy is a form of aggression. So what's the point? It must be successful, though. It must be working if they're running the spots on Fox continuously. Well, they're not running it continuously. So I've only seen it once. But the uh, it, what I think is interesting is Time Life doing it. You know, a giant mega corporation. You know, co-opting the religious movement. Good work. And that kind of makes sense to me. Oh yeah, totally. Big religion, big mega churches. You know, Time Life. It's all fits together. I got one clip that uh, I forgot to play during the Swine Flu Minute from uh, producer Billy in um, the UK, Gitmo Nation East. It's of Pro Professor David Salisbury, director of the immunization program in uh, Gitmo Nation East in the United Kingdom, on uh, the popular Radio 4 consumer program, You and Yours. It's about an 18-minute interview, but he pulled a clip for us that I wanted to share. And it's about the hamburger helper of the vaccines, the adjuvants, which... Um, uh, primarily, it's thimerosal, I believe, and other mercury. No, well, thimerosal is a preservative; it's not the adjuvant. Oh, what is the? Oh, no, the adjuvant is um, squalene. Well, well that's, that's one, one of them. that's one, one of experimental adjuvants. The, the the main one, I think, is sodium. Mm, uh, right, but but the uh, whole point is or, the the adjuvants actually make your chlorides, make like your that. immune system go into overdrive, so that the uh, the vaccine the the effect yeah, is, perks is, up. The, yeah it perks up exactly. Uh, so I thought it may be interesting just to listen to what he has to say about uh, adjuvants. You can only guess what, he's, what his uh, thoughts are. So what's the situation about the H1N1 swine vaccine compared with seasonal? And it's 
slightly different in that it's a different strain, but strain changes don't matter. Strain changes don't matter? If they don't matter, I'm going to ask this question. I've asked it a million times on this show. Why don't they put the H1N1 in the regular seasonal flu if that's all it really is? And then have a mixture. Boom. Thank you. Thank you. It's got a tiny dose compared with ordinary seasonal vaccine. Seasonal vaccine normally contains 45 micrograms, which is the measurement. This vaccine's got less than four micrograms. It's got a tiny, tiny dose. But it's also got in it an ingredient. Wait a minute. He says four. I don't. I, I want to understand the measurements. He says 45 micrograms, and this has only four micrograms? That's what he said. He does. But it's also got in it an ingredient that boosts the immune response that allows you to use such a tiny dose. And that adjuvant that boosts your immune response is made of natural ingredients, vitamin E, which we all uh, take in our diet and that some people take as vitamin supplements as well. And it's also (laughs) got a a naturally occurring fish oil that, again, we have in our diets. And these products are there for for a a good purpose. Yes, they're good. For a good purpose. Good purpose. Yes, good purpose. To kill you. Well, let me me say, mention another thing that I've noticed, which is another discrepancy. They keep coming up, but now the swine flu is made exactly the same as the seasonal flu. There's nothing to worry about. That's what the litany is here in the United States. Is, Is this a lie? Are we at BS? Yeah, it seems to me that there's no two stories that are the same about this stuff. Does anybody find this a little suspicious? Well, what, so what I've understood is that, you know, we've, so part of the litany as well is it's been tested. It's, it's safe. It's been tested. It's not a problem. But if you actually read the inserts, the package inserts, the labels, and the disclaimers from the four companies who have approved vaccines, what they're actually saying is, that they are using the exact same process as the seasonal flu vaccine, only one ingredient is different, namely the antigen, the actual virus. So our tests for seasonal flu show that these that this new vaccine is just as safe as that particular vaccine. So they haven't actually tested anything. Yeah, and then, of course, I heard on something the other day, it was like uh, they said... Um, well, you know, they never test. They never really test the seasonal flu vaccine either. So this is the, so the process is identical. So it's not anything yeah. to worry about. Yeah, and and in general, vaccines. Thank God for that guy who shoots the vaccines into the wombat. Yeah, <laughs> but in general, they you know the there is no um, no stringent FDA process for vaccinations for vaccines. Not like drugs that are sold after you're sick, but before you're sick. It's like, okay, this is kind of the process. That's okay. They don't have to do a uh, a blind study where they have, uh, you know, people are given a, um, um, oh, I'm fuzzy today, John. Well, yeah, the sugar shot. A placebo. Thank you. Is the word you're looking for. Yes. So people aren't, there's, there's no placebo uh, recipients in the test. So yeah, it's, well, it's, it's wonderful. It's a bonanza. Well, you can't. Yeah, no, this was a, this is a dream come true. This is why the drugs probably are slapping themselves in the forehead, saying, "Why didn't we think this earlier?" Well, this is the way to make money. <laughs> Yeehaw! Are we talking about a way to make money? If we're off the swine flu, swine yeah. flu minute yeah, again, we're off. we're off. Somehow we got back on it. <clears throat> we, we keep putting this off. You have to talk about V. Well, of course, I have not seen episode two, and I will probably, uh, maybe I'll see episode three. But You're not I did wa- missing much. No. <laughs> 
Well, it's very interesting. So, of course, this is an age-old story as uh, continuously propagated by David Icke that, uh, that we stem from reptilians. And, of course, his story is a little bit different. Well, where, wait, let's back up a minute. V, of course, is the new science fiction show. Well, it's, on, a, it's uh, the new version of the science fiction show. Of the, right, yeah. V, which was done in the... Is this now on ABC? This was done, I believe, in the 70s or the 80s or the 70s? 80s, in the know. 80s. Now, V was in the 80s. <laughs> was Did V, the, the show, precede uh, Ike's uh, theories, or, or, or was it after? Oh, that's a know? really good question. But well, I the, think David Icke saw V and said, "That's no, it." <laughs> no, because it's the original. No, no, no. The original. The original V series uh, was more about visitors from another planet and not about the whole idea that the, that the, that the reptilians have actually been living amongst us for years and years. And so, what David Icke, who by the way was a respected journalist, I think he was a sports journalist as well, and he went on Terry Wogan one uh, one evening, and he said, uh, "Well, you know." Um, of course, the planet is ruled by reptilians, and uh, the entire royal family are all reptiles. And, uh, well, his career ended abruptly. <laughs> and and I've got to tell you, I like David. I, I buy into a lot of what he's talking about, but I've never, I've always had a little, a little bit of trouble with the reptile stuff. And from time to time, it does explain a lot, though. I mean, like they live forever. These, these, the royal family. Nobody ever dies prematurely. <laughs> they, they're, they're all they're gorgeous. but ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but they all go to the max. They all go to the oldest. They get rid when one of the non reptilians live, moves in with the family. They are uh, murdered. Yes, and uh, <laughs> it's like, and so I mean, <laughs> so, I've so seen, I mean, you know, I've seen pictures floating around the internet, you know, with absolute proof that Michelle and Barack Obama are reptilian. There's been some uh, there's been some fun Photoshop work uh, going around the internet when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, you know the the entire Bush family, etc., all reptilian. So this kind of plays on that vibe, and I guess metaphorically speaking, I kind of buy into it. Not not actual reptilians, but that you know there is you know, certainly a a club of people that we're not in who um, who really want to just rule the world no matter what. So under you know they're not if you cut away their skin, they may not actually be reptiles underneath, but there, uh, to me, there is some. There's something going on there, and it. And I do understand, though, what you're saying about, you know, the uh, the compa- the parallels between uh, the Obama administration, uh, Obama as a cult of personality, and how you have Anna, who is the leader of uh, of uh, of the of the V's, and how kids are getting into it and uh, spray painting V everywhere, and you know, it's uh, it's it's beautiful when art imitates life. Yeah, well, I'll watch I it. Sh- I, I got to watch a couple more episodes. I, I I could hang out for a few more. Of course, you gave it to me without commercials, which is highly enjoyable. I don't know if I'll be able to sit through all the commercials once I actually have to watch the show in real time. No, you put it on the DVR and you pound through the commercials like everybody else does. How do those guys make money on television anymore? Well, not everybody has a DVR pounding through the commercials. And once in a while, you get stuck watching something in real time, which is nothing but annoying. You know, you used to be like everybody knows. Uh, once they start practicing this, it, there's only 40 minutes of show in an hour, and it's 20 minutes of commercial. So essentially, it's two minutes of show and a minute of commercial. Which I think, by the way, they should pass a law. And I've said this before. They should pass a law that makes it so you have to run 
two minutes to show, one minute commercial, two minutes to show, one minute of commercial throughout the hour, rather than ganging you up at the half hour point with like 10 minutes of commercials. Ugh. I don't know if I could take the interruption, Johnny boy. Yeah, I don't think anyone could, and that would destroy TV, which is my plan. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so that's it. I thought you had a more no. I don't. I don't. You know, I I gotta say, I kind of like the show. I think you know, Anna's kind of hot. You know, that was cool, and I like her. And uh, I thought that the first episode was way too much information. They, I thought that was very poorly paced. They come and they all have a meeting, a secret meeting that everybody knows about and it's not much of a secret since the v's come in there and shoot up the place and the guy that's the 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 head of the meeting starts telling the whole story of the v's and how they've been here forever and he just gives the whole backstory there's so now there's no mystery to anything it's just basically that the plot structure is laid out for the listener or viewers right off the bat so now there's nothing we don't know well yeah, we but, know everything yeah, about the show. We know yeah, everything. John, there's, not, John, there's not a trick in the book they John, can pull. Uh, do you have some illusion that the people who watch ABC uh, primetime drama have intelligence? I'm <laughs> the, just telling the, it you. It needs that to be laid to- out to them. It's like, here, here's the story. And uh, they'll do it again every single, the beginning of every episode. They'll rewind it and tell you the whole thing all over again. Just in case you're an idiot, here's how the storyline works. And then you just kind of float along with it and let that fill your brain while you watch the commercials. We all know that on television, the big joke is the programming is just there to fill up the time between the commercial advertisements. So anyway, I wonder who's going to be advertising. I didn't pay much attention to who's advertising on the show, but I would assume a number of reptilian companies would be involved. You could probably make the connection between anyone who advertises on V and the fact that they're run by a reptilian. What do you think? Totally. Now, of course, John and I spend a good amount of our time watching C-SPAN and other raw video feeds just to get the real deal, distill it, and and pass it on to you. And uh, there was uh, an interesting question posed to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who, by the way, John, reptilian. Absolutely. (laughs) And by the way, I got a giveaway for you on the reptilian, how to spot him. Okay. (laughs) And I noticed this because every time I see it, I keep wanting to... And it's it's close to a pet peeve of mine, and uh, and and you see different people. Like Bill Gates does it all the time. And it's always annoying. And what I always call it is the inappropriate smile. Somebody yes, be talking yes, like blah yes, blah blah yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah smile, smile blah, yeah, blah 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 smile. Yeah, that's because you know of, yeah no the reptilians haven't quite figured out emotion yet. That's why they, you know, they're just like okay they know that from time to time humanoids throw a smile out there. They don't actually understand humor. Very right. so yeah, that, good observation. Yeah, in fact, I was watching a bunch of hearings on the tr- cap and trade, and this Chinese woman would do that. She was yakking away, yakking away, very serious, and then just a smile, smile. <laughs> in the middle of it. And so, then you go back to a serious mode. I, I was going, what the hell? What the hell? But anyway, Bill Gates does it constantly. So Nancy Pelosi, uh, guaranteed. And Pelosi does too. Yeah, guaranteed reptilian. So she's being hounded by uh, by a reporter from, I think, a local NBC affiliate. And he's saying, hey, look, you know, the way I read the health care bill, and by the way, I, I have read the first version, and I have uh, I don't even have the new version yet. Where, where's the 1,900-page version? I, I got I got to go read through that one now. Um, you know, so there's all these little gotchas in there. In, instead of something very basic like, hey, why doesn't the government just pay for all your crap and then uh, kumbaya? Right, and we'll tax you, and uh, and you, and you'll have health insurance done. That would be simple. No, there's all this stuff in there that is extremely nefarious. 
And one of them, of course, is that uh, the IRS will collect your penalty fee if you do not have health insurance. Uh, and uh, and it is now in there. It is a tax. So, you know, you just cannot deny that this is a tax. And if you don't pay your tax, I believe it is up to five years imprisonment and $250,000 in fines. And so this, uh, and these journalists are saying, "Hey, you know, what do you think, uh, Speaker of the House, that you know, you're actually going to throw people in jail if they uh, if they don't want health coverage? How do you kind of, you know, how do you justify that? How, how does that work? And it's just a wonderful piece of reptilian uh, avoidance. <laughs> Have a listen to this. Oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry, I forgot to." Uh Cue it up. No, I've queued it up. I I got to set up the sound link. Hold on, it'll just take me a second. Uh, there we go. Here we go. No, it was totally queued up, dude. Here it comes. Madam Speaker, I'm Shamari Stone from Como Four News. I have a question for you that hasn't been pointed out, but a lot of Americans feel this way. Do you think it's fair to send people to jail for not buying health insurance? Well, the point is, is that we want to make sure that everyone has access to health care. For a long time now, people who haven't had uh, health care or provided it uh, have placed the burden on others. Everybody is paying the price for uncompensated care. I don't need to tell you that uh, in a hospital. And so what this is is to say we all have to do our part, and that is the point of the bill. But, Madam Speaker, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. Um, if you don't buy health insurance, you go to jail? Well, you didn't point, answer my question. There, there is, there is a, 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 I think the legislation is very fair in this respect. <laughs> it gives people an opportunity. <laughs> it's totally fair. Don't pay, go to jail. To have health care, uh, access to quality health care. If they can't afford it, it provides subsidies for them to do so. Yeah, so that's the interesting part about the can't afford it. It's like that's that's pretty subjective if you can afford it or not. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but do you think it's fair if somebody says, "Well, I'm just not going to have it," and if I get sick, then I'll just go to the emergency room and send the bill uh, to you? That's my view on the subject. Yes. Next. <laughs> yes. And yeah. smile. Yeah. And next question. So she doesn't. No, oh, 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 I just I freeze the video and she's sticking her tongue out. Total lizard lizard move. You should get you get some uh, some clips of the tongues, but yeah. anyway, the um, so in other words, what she's saying is that somebody who doesn't have health insurance and goes to the emergency room and it costs a couple grand uh, is uh, is bad, but sending someone to prison, which costs the taxpayers forty thousand dollars a year yes. minimum, yes, thank is you. okay. Yeah. That's a good use that, of the that, uh, public that's, funds. That's, huh. that's what interesting. I like the math. Hold yeah. on a second. Let me write this down. <laughs> How do I know you're not reptilian, John? Uh, because I don't have inappropriate smiles. Yes. Oh, you, that's right. You have pretty much zero smiles. No, I smile all the time. I'm a happy guy. How about Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton? Do you think she's reptilian? Well, she does inappropriate smiles. She does, doesn't she? And she? And I wish I could find the soundbite for this because she was in, uh, gosh, she was in uh, Manila. Now, she's on a huge tour. She's really rocking around with that inappropriate smile. And um, she was answering questions about the Moro Islamic Liberation Front during a town hall-style gathering in Manila. And, of course, there's an acronym for that. And here's the quote, which I wish I had audio for. Oh, yeah, I know. This is a good one. <laughs> and if anyone has it, please send it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll play it over and over. 
I'm encouraged by what I hear about the progress and the peace efforts that are going on between the government and MILF. <laughs> I, would just love, I would just love to have the audio of that. I looked all over. She has no idea what she's saying. And the, but then I guess someone leaned over and went, uh, Madam Secretary. And then she, she started saying M-I-L-F. <laughs> MILF. <laughs> what a tool. <laughs> I could, could imagine being Chelsea. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Oh, my mom is such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid. Yeah. All right. So you want to switch uh, gears here? Yeah. Let's go to uh, cap and trade. I, I actually, I looked uh, some cap and trade stuff up, some history of it. And when uh, when it was acid rain, as you pointed out on a previous show, cap and trade actually um, was a pretty good idea. And it was implemented at the time. And this entire legislation is based on that premise of the acid rain from the 70s, I would say. Uh, but, of course, there was some real capping going on because, you know, you put filters on your smokestacks. And, and in fact, this clip addresses exactly this issue. Ah, perfect setup. By coincidence. This is Kenneth Green, who's with the American Enterprise Institute. And he, he kind of – this is a long clip. You're going to have to interrupt a few times. But it's so good and so concise, even though it's long. But it's actually, it's, it's actually short considering what he, what he deals with. He introduces himself, and then he starts getting into a, what a disaster cap and trade would be for the economy. Mr. Bergen, Dr. Green. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Chairman Baucus, Senator Grassley, members of the committee, thank you for inviting me to testify today on this timely and important topic. Uh, I am Kenneth Green, a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, I'm an environmental scientist by training, uh, a policy analyst by avocation, and an economist by exposure. Um, I have submitted. To I like that. Got to put that in my card. Economist yeah. by exposure. To the record, two AEI policy studies on the issues before us today, which are part of the research base underlying what I'm about to say. <clears throat> I've spent the last 15 years analyzing public policy at think tanks in both the, both the United States and Canada with an emphasis on air pollution, uh, climate change, and energy policy. Specifically, I have studied market-based mechanisms for dealing with pollution problems of all sorts, and I've studied cap-and-trade as it has made its appearance in conventional air pollution control, acid rain mitigation, and now in greenhouse gas control. What I can tell you, based on my research, is this. Cap-and-trade, the core of greenhouse gas control legislation today, is an inappropriate policy tool for the control of greenhouse House gases that will cause significant economic harm, will kill and export jobs, and produce little or no environmental benefit. <laughs> All right. Um, he needs a coffee break. Quick, take him out. Go back. Yeah, let's get rid of that guy. Oh, no. What is he saying? Did he not read the script, damn it? Current legislation applies an emission trading model to an unsuitable pollutant. For emission trading to work, <clears throat> you need readily available technology to capture emissions or alternative sources of energy that can let some people generate emissions, surplus emissions, that can be sold to others. We had that with SO2. We don't have that with CO2. And there's a fantastic video by two San Francisco lawyers uh, who have worked for the EPA for 20 years, and they say exactly the same thing. I'll put that in the show notes as well at noagendashow.com. It's about that we don't have a solution. It works when you have you know an actual way to solve the problem, which, of course, this problem is not an actual problem. It's a made-up problem. Therefore, there's no real solution other than made-up solution. With CO2, as EPA acknowledges, we're dependent on offsets to control costs, and offsets are notoriously slippery. Even the economists who first developed the theory and practice of cap-and-trade have said it's not a suitable mechanism for greenhouse gas control. 
Earth First agrees. And when you have that level of agreement from economists, Earth First, and people like myself at AEI, you're talking a serious consensus. Uh, cap and trade hasn't worked in Europe, and it will not work here. <clears throat> By design, and despite provisions that try to hide this from the public, the carbon control bills now circulating will increase energy prices. That's what they're for. Uh, in fact, that's been, that's been stated publicly, right, John? We've, we've talked about that. In, 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 yeah, even, it's said in the back, though. I mean, he said it's no, been... No, no, no. Even President Obama said, and we have the sound clip somewhere, he said, well, you know, it's basically going to send uh, electricity prices sky high and it will bankrupt some utility companies. He said that publicly. I don't remember that, but oh, okay. I'll find it for you, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is, this is no secret. It's just, let's be honest, Balloon Boy is a lot more compelling. Slowing economic growth, killing jobs, and reducing competitiveness. And this is a one-way street. Since cap-and-trade doesn't only cap emissions, it caps economic growth. When GDP goes up, energy price consumption goes, uh, does also, as does carbon permit prices choking off continued growth. The tighter the emission cap, the tighter the economic straitjacket. As energy prices rise and as American companies find themselves less competitive, businesses and jobs will flow to countries without greenhouse gas controls and with stringent environmental controls. Which is exactly the way it's set up. The whole cap-and-trade system is not only do we let um, developing nations and other countries just go ahead and poop out whatever they want to, we actually pay them. <laughs> we're going to send them money. Hey, good job. We're going to pay them money for that. And we're going to send them our technology as well. It's, this is all what's coming down in Copenhagen. This is the global law we're going to, to the treaty we're going to sign. Of any kind, without in, 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 uh, stringent controls, potentially allowing emissions to increase. The remedy to this, border tax adjustments, is only likely to cause a trade war further damaging the U.S. economy. As increased energy costs raise the price of cost of U.S. goods and services, consumption will decline, causing still more job losses across the American economy. <clears throat> Legislation now before Congress will cause regional and sectoral winners and losers, will unjustly redistribute and export wealth from industrial coal-powered states into states with greater hydro, nuclear, and natural gas resources. It will send taxpayer dollars abroad to countries that are economic competitors and sometimes geopolitical adversaries. Perversely, low-carbon uh, fuel standards might actually prohibit oil imports from our number one foreign supplier, our, that, our neighbor to the north, Canada. Yes, thank you. He finally says it. Could we please hear that one more time? I said this last night. I, uh, I, man, I was on thin ice. I was really holding back with, with my fa- I love my family so much. Are they a bunch of left-wingers? No, actually, it's well. Of course, Uncle Don he he uh, he, he worked for uh, for Bush Senior. I mean, he was a registered Republican. He actually registered Democrat. He's changed. So no. yeah, so yeah. But I said, you know, you know, FYI, when President Obama says we need to uh, stop our dependence on foreign oil, I'm always thinking, hey, Canada, how are you feeling? <laughs> no one seems to realize that 80% of all, isn't it 80%? It's a huge, it's huge some number. huge number. Yeah, it comes yeah, from we Canada. Off Alberta. It comes from Canada. Yeah. So, th- so, oh my God, I wish, I wish people would actually listen to this kind of stuff. We need 400 million people listening, John, not 400,000. Perversely, low-carbon uh, fuel standards might actually prohibit oil imports from our number one foreign supplier, our, that, our neighbor to the north, Canada. Yeah, those damn bastards, we've got to stop our dependence on them. Cap-and-trade creates a new, poorly understood financial instrument that can be used to leverage debt, potentially creating a massive carbon bubble that bursts once it becomes clear we can't afford to maintain the regime. Oh, beautiful. Exactly what we've said here. It's a new derivative. It'll be a new way to create debt, which is how money is created in the financial system, which is beautiful. 
These guys are chomping at the bit. They can't wait. What else can we do? Now, we've already done houses. We've screwed that up. Um, oh, I know. Air. <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> the air we Let's breathe. Let's make money off of air. Fantastic. Finally, cap and trade, and all carbon control for that matter, puts a bounty on ecosystems. As carbon control favors biofuels, more ecosystem will be planted over and farmland used to grow fuel instead of food. A recent article in Science observes that attempting to limit CO2 concentrations to 450 parts per million, the currently stated goal of carbon controls, would cause bioenergy crops to expand to displace virtually all of the world's natural forests and savannas by 2065 and actually increase global greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah, see, this is where the guy loses it, because I'm like, 2065? I don't give a crap. Well, I know, but all the people that are pushing the uh, uh, global warming agenda keep pushing everything out to 2100. So I don't think it's unrealistic to throw this in their face. Oi. As for the claim that the green energy provisions of current legislation will create green jobs that can't be exported, this is simply not true. As I testified before another Senate committee, governments do not create jobs. They simply move them from one place to the other, inevitably, with a net loss of jobs, on, with less jobs on net. Hey, who is this guy again, John? This is Kenneth Green, and I, by the way, I love his last name. Yeah, you know, which, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing subtle there. I, you know, he, he. If I can make a re- recommendation, he should not climb the stairs at the UN building in Vienna. This would be a very, a very bad place for him to be. He might slip and fall down seventeen stories. Economists have known this for over one hundred and fifty years. Europe has seen much of its industry, green industry exported, and the U.S. is already seeing solar cell and windmill production being moved to China. The only thing worse than no energy policy is bad energy policy, and that's what S-1733 and approaches like it represent. Bad energy policy wrapped up in misleading terminology that hides the true nature of the legislation. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today on this timely and important issue. I look forward to your questions. Yeah, nice knowing you. Nice knowing you, (laughs) Professor Green. (laughs) Nice knowing you, bud. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. But you know, you have to distill that down into one sound bite for the for the general populace to get. Oh yeah, it. no one wants to listen to a 4-minute uh, spiel. No. Oh no, it's wait and we should have interrupted <laughs> that with commercials at least twice according to your formula. Yeah. No, no. no right. No. no, no, no. It, yeah. We, yeah, two commercials would have been in there. Too so minutes, so yeah. here's the scam. I just got to say it one more time. Al Gore, who of course really was the catalyst for a lot of this uh, first global warming now climate change which of course is actually a political joke because you know we're moving into one world government that's the actual climate change the climate of the world's uh, political scene uh he is uh, owner and investor of 5 billion dollar fund in the largest cap and trade system on earth and when you own the nasdaq or when you own the uh the exchanges that's where the real money is you know, you 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 own the market, and it's all. And he's this guy's so right. It's all about the. It's going to be sold as a derivative, and then you can start to hedge against it. You can hedge against anything, and this is going to be. It's going to be huge, and I think it's just going to pass, John. It's just going to flow right through, and you know, people will be too afraid to really go against it. And they don't understand it, and they want to be don't want to be seen as as unpopular because they're against saving the world. <sighs> <laughs> Meanwhile, oil is up to eighty bucks. That, yeah. that kind of slipped up there. And there was yeah. a, there was a great uh, great article on uh, SeekingAlpha.com that says uh, the global oil scam is actually two point five trillion dollars. I did not realize that the ice 
That's the uh, the online commodities and futures exchange. Another one of these exchanges where basically oil futures are traded. Uh, that that is a, a so-called dark pool. So it's an unregulated exchange. You know, it, yeah, it, they're it's, trying to crack down on these, but it just seems that we're not doing a very good job. Well, well, well the guy who this used to be this guy Greenberger, and I had to figure out what happened to him. I mean, he was the biggest complainer, and Soros was also complaining about this, and both of them have been squelched for some reason. I think somebody just said, "Here, how big a check do you yeah, want us to write?" Yeah, or here, look at this. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> look at this, dude. See uh, this? Uh, see this? <laughs> hey, hey, sunny boy. So this is the Intercontinental Exchange, which is uh, founded, owned, and operated by Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, British Petroleum, Total, Shell, Deutsche Bank, and Societe Generale. So it's like, you know, these guys, they're just, they got a little, uh, they're like trading marbles amongst themselves. <laughs> It's a, got a lot of marbles. It's, it's a beautiful game. And so the way it works is one one of these guys will, you know, so Goldman will go like, hey, man, give me uh, uh, 100,000 barrels of oil, and Morgan will sell it to him. But then, you know, Morgan will then sell it off to BP, and BP will sell it back to Goldman Sachs. So they're basically just ticking. And by the way, this during the dot-com bubble, this was a very well-known scam You'd hire um, a marketing consultant who would be paid in warrants, i.e., that's not really options, it's not really stock, and he'd get a bunch of his friends, and they'd just kind of sell the stock back, you know, because they trust each other. They'd sell it in a circle, right? So it'd be he, he'd sell it to guy B, B to C, C back to A. And, and while doing that, the price just keeps rising because, you know, what you really need on any type of exchange is liquidity, meaning there's stuff moving, you know, that's, that's how supply and demand, the illusion of supply and demand is created. So that's how they're ticking up the price of oil futures, just by moving it around amongst themselves. And, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's not just selling the oil back. Maybe there's some pork bellies that come back on the back end. It's all, it's all one big game. And once again, we're not in it. This is a fact. So we got one more uh, shorter clip. This is another woman testifying before the same committee on the cap and trade uh, who I kind of cut most of. She's a little more boring, but she uh, she made a couple different points that because she was a uh, uh, she had a lot of metrics. Uh, as opposed to generalities, and it was kind of interesting. So you might well play the last clip. Input output models, which some organizations. Now, what was this? You were this was C-SPAN that you were watching? Yeah, yeah, C-SPAN. This woman is with the. Uh, her name is Margot Thorning or Thorning, and she's with the American Council for Capital Formation. You know, there's so many of these organizations think now. Tanks, I'm think tanks. Yeah, they're think tanks. So is she, uh, don't even tell me, I'll listen Jews to Jews are static models. They're not able to capture the dynamic impacts of changes in uh, energy prices. I'd like to share with you briefly the results of a study that the ACCF and the National Association of Manufacturers sponsored uh, examining the impact of the Waxman-Markey bill. We used a macroeconomic model, the same model that the Department of Energy uses, the NEMS model. Our study showed that for the U.S. as a whole, by 2030, the Waxman-Markey bill would reduce gross domestic product relative to the baseline forecast between 1.7% and 2.4%. You know, so th this is, this. it kills me because here, so first of all, she used the exact same model as the government used. And of course, you know, lies, li damn lies and st statistics. And what she's saying is, hey, you know, we're, what she should say is, 
You're going to get screwed, people. You're going to get totally screwed. But instead, she well, that's what you know. That's what these meetings are supposed to be like, and it's up to the media. Yeah. media oh, oh, uh, like journalists and stuff. To to take a look at what she says and then then report it in a way that the public can understand. Ah, but that's the job. They don't even the go to these meetings. <laughs> they don't even turn on C-SPAN. They could sit at home in their snuggie, <laughs> petting their Obama chia. Two point four percent of GDP may not sound like much, but it's about six hundred billion dollars. That's about what we're paying Social Security recipients right now. Job growth would be slowed. We did show that we'd pick up new green jobs. Certainly we will because of the provisions of the Waxman-Markey bill. But on balance, we lose between 1.7 and 2.4 million jobs in the year 2030. Household income is about $1,200 less than it otherwise would be. Some of the input-output studies <clears throat> that are out there show job growth. But again, as they admit, as the uh, Center for American Progress study admits, they are not dynamic. They're not able to capture the impact of higher energy prices on the U.S. economy. Does NPR go to these these meetings? Do they have C-SPAN in the office? Does I doubt it. it. Does NPR they, they probably see it as any a competitor? <laughs> Certainly is boring. <laughs> well, it's definitely got the, link there. The boredom factor is like a toss-up <laughs> between these two. But the fact of the matter is, what she's doing is she's taking a look at things from a mathematical yes, perspective. From the numbers, she's getting the actual numbers and running this exact same test and saying, "Huh, huh, this sucks." Is what she's <laughs> you know determining. And this is the kind of thing that we uh, try to do on this show. But you know, this could, we I don't understand why everybody's not doing this. Because no one cares. I mean, they got the bubble bob, the guy in the balloon, they got the other crap. What I, act I actually saw, I was in the cab <clears throat> in New York, and they have that, you know, god-awful ABC News produced uh, cab news thing, whatever it is. And oh, was that. A, oh, my uh, God. I, I turned that thing off. Uh, well, I, I, I forced myself. And uh, so they had a report on uh, the Balloon Boy uh, uh, family, and of course, you know now they're copping to some, uh, you know, some of the allegations that they actually did lie, and they were just trying to hype up for the reality show, whatever. And they and they cut back to the anchors, and then the anchorman says, "And the worst thing is, they got to keep their kids." I'm like, "What? What? You would rather put children in the system?" Then leave them with. The, I mean, okay, so their parents messed up. You know, they tried to to try to make a buck. But you, like, the worst thing is they get to keep the kids. Well, why don't you take the kids, you douche? I mean, it was unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. But yeah, you're right, John. There's no one doing this apparently, which is why this program is nominated for not one but two podcast awards. Very proud of the. Uh, the People's Choice Award, of course, in the general category, which uh, I hear is going to be the hot one at the Oscars this year, um, <laughs> is because we do bring you this news. We spend the time in, and and we split it up. You know, I I was busy with the family. I was trying to hook us up with one of the one of the terrorists of the world. I'm trying to get us in, uh, and we're actually going to influence public policy in North in North Korea. By sending fantastic DVDs with hidden messages, subliminal cuts <laughs> to King John Il. And John, on the other hand, is, is forcing himself to watch C-SPAN. And the only way we can continue to do this is with your support.
Yes, and we didn't get much last after the last show, I might add. And I'm trying to to, to, to deconstruct the reasons. Even and one though of every, everyone, I, I got messages, best show ever, loved it, fantastic, you guys yeah. were on a roll. And what do we get, Bupkis? We didn't get much. We got four donors that gave over 50 bucks, and the highest was obviously Stephen Shear, our executive producer, for 90. The other ones are Jordan Wyatt, who's our, our in-house vegan, who gives us money every so often. He's giving it. Vegan in residence, John. He, he's he, he's sent fifty in from Southland, New Zealand, in in uh, honor of oatmeal. Ah, oh, that's bad. yeah, oatmeal, of course. Crash the dead pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the the pigeon who is no longer with us. Uh, Norman Lorraine Edmonton gave us fifty, and James Briscoe, who's given us money before. So you know, and he's uh, uh, he's he said we have to plug something called police knots. Which is some I don't know what it is with a K. He sends it's a, some new show or some police some, knots. Okay. Yeah, and and, and his donation was fifty five dollars and thirty cents, which had something to do with it. And he's in Bayshore, New York, and that was it. That's all we got. And so Jeez. people out there who have not uh, that's demoralizing. That's demoralizing. And all well, we I need mean, is we're never going to do three shows a week at this rate because every time we do well, yeah, then we, we, we get nothing. Right. So, so we, essentially, we, we can't more. do well, which <laughs> we have, means we can't do three shows a week. So it's a, you, the, it's a our catch listeners twenty-two. Are British, it's a exactly. conundrum. We have to suck in order to be able to do three shows a week. I don't get you guys. If every single one of our listeners gave us five dollars a year, forget about the five dollars a month plan. Five dollars a year, we would be set. We could do it all day long. We could be deconstructing, watching C-SPAN, having no life. And then we we have to. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually yeah. kind of thankful. So anyway, the uh, <laughs> you know, to, we don't need any notes from people who say we suck. No, no, you know, no, because we know we suck when the donations are rolling in. Okay, you don't have to tell us. We know when we really suck because then things are actually going well. So go to noagendashow.com and org slash a and help us out because we didn't get much of this last round. Now, that said, I heard that the that the iTunes feed was screwed up. Somewhere. Again, I think that no, I don't no, think no, it's screwed no. up. No, I think it's working. Right. I have uh, three uh, people make sure to report to us when you have problems getting the show. Yeah, so we can ignore it. Perfect. Uh, Noagendashow.com or dvorak.org slash na. Uh, and if you feel like, it, just empty your PayPal account. You're not using it anyway. Just send whatever's left. Yeah, I didn't notice anybody emptying their PayPal no. account this week. Hey, John, and Adam so, writes, uh, uh, Richard Leisure, I'm a starving college student at the University of Arkansas. We have the world's leading RFID lab and are taught that RFID is awesome. <laughs> I agree that RFID is great for tracking inventory and raw materials. However, I'm completely against the use of RFID in passports and humans. People are just not inventory. Uh, now I have a question about producer spots. I, I can afford to donate, but email I can't afford to donate, but email you guys regularly. Can we still use no agenda on our resumes? Maybe just as producers might be interesting thought to bring up. And I was thinking that maybe maybe we should do something because there are a lot of people who continue to donate smaller amounts uh, who are on the uh, the no agenda night layaway program and perhaps just on the five dollar a month subscription. We probably should do something, John, so that they can still put it on their resume as like an associate producer. There should be some credit we can give. Yeah, associate producer's fine. I think that would be good. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So okay. you are now al allowed 
uh, <laughs> to use yourself as an associate producer to give yourself that credit. And if you need us to vouch, just uh, drop us an email. We'll take care of it. And we don't have a problem with this. And by the way, my son was talking about, uh, you know, he graduated from Evergreen. Oh, which is like the top school in the country. <laughs> it's one of the more interesting schools. <laughs> he says that once you get your degree, he says they'll vouch for just about anything you tell them to vouch for. Really? Which is kind of our policy. He says, so if you want it, so if, for example, you wanted to get a job as an environmental consultant with the EPA, you could just say, I, yeah, my specialty at Evergreen was environmental consulting. <laughs> Oh, really? I love it. And when they send a note in, the Evergreen guys just sign off on it. Okay. So Craig D. in the chat room says, I have no problem with these guys begging for money. I just can't donate to them when I see people that actually need the money. Hey, buddy, we actually need the money. <laughs> actually need we the actually money. actually need the money. So I, I think yeah, no, we're uh, supposed to, according to that communist, yeah. people are supposed to just give away everything yeah. because there's somebody else that's more needy. Which not like what, like PBS? Yeah. Well, we should go play that clip. Oh, I again. got it. Oh, I got it. Sure, let's play the PBS clip of how they take these donations or uh, underwriters. Okay, move it on to money. This, by the way, is the chairwoman of NPR, the station that is not supposed, or the network that is not supposed to be influenced at all by outside sources, particularly not those giving money to them. How are NPR's corporate underwriting revenues holding up in the recession? And what about foundation grants? Um, two different stories. Um, underwriting is uh, corp uh, underwriting is is down it's down for everybody i mean this is this is the this is the area that is most down for us is is in is in sponsorship underwriting advertising call it whatever you want sponsorship underwriting advertising call it whatever you want how about we call it crooked <laughs> Let me try that one on you. Crooked. So I'm reading, a, uh, actually, not even, I didn't have to read it. I'm looking at the Financial Times Weekend Edition, which is the only newspaper I actually buy because I think they're kind of, well, you know, the CIA reads this thing. So I'm like, all right, these, you know, this is where they, they get their info from. We might as well get it from there as well. So here's the new meme. They put on the front page, and I wish uh, you, I had a copy to show you, John, uh, Khaled Sheikh Mohammed. Now, there's a big brouhaha here on the east coast of Gitmo Nation that they are bringing the uh, the terrorists behind the September 11 attacks 2001 to New York to be tried. Of course, they need to get them out of Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay, in order to close the base, with it, which was uh, President Obama's first promise, which he won't be able to keep it by the end of the year, but they will eventually. So they want to bring this guy to New York to try him in New York. And, oh, and we're all up in arms about it. But this is, of course really um, just to distract your attention from the fact that the guy who was supposed to be behind it is Osama bin Laden. And when you look at this picture, so you've probably seen the picture, of the, like the, the capture picture of uh, Khaled Sheikh Mohammed, where he's in like a torn t-shirt, he's all sweaty. Yeah, the underwear and, shot. So this is a shot of him in full garb with his full beard nicely groomed he looks exactly like osama bin laden in fact if you showed me if i take this out on the street and I say who is this 
anyone will say, oh, that's Osama. In fact, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a camera, take this on the street and say, who's this picture of? People will say, oh, that's Osama bin Laden. But it's not. It says the caption right underneath, Khaled Sheikh Mohammed accused of being behind the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. What happened to Osama bin Laden? I don't get it. Because we couldn't find him, because we have 200,000 troops in Afghanistan, couldn't smoke the guy out of his cave. Now we have to blame it on this guy, and now he's going to be the guy? This is a total scam. That's pretty good. It's, 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 it's shocking because I picked up the paper. I'm like, hey, Osama bin Laden on the front. I'm like, no, wait a minute. That's, it's, it's Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, only this is a, like his, his high school yearbook picture. And he looks really nice. And you, know, and, and you look at the guy, oh, my God. So they, they've just switched it. It's like, uh, don't, 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 uh, don't think about uh, uh, Osama bin Laden. No, no, no. Nothing no, to no. see don't here. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. So uh, you're being scammed. But it's working. Oh, boy, it's working. <laughs> America, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> America. <laughs> I got the, we got to pull that clip. Yeah, I know. America, wake up. <laughs> And then, uh, I have been predicting this would happen. I have been telling you that this was bad news. No one wanted to listen to me. I told you this large Hadron Collider uh, up there in uh, in Switzerland. I said, it's a bad idea. You don't be want to try to recreate the Big Bang. This is not a good idea to be throwing protons around at the speed of light. This is not a good idea. So what happens? They shot off a gravitational wave also known as a time wave, because they fired this thing up on November 1st. Of course, that was not in the news, because they don't actually want you to know what's going on with this billion-dollar project. And uh, it blew out all the lights in uh, South America. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> but seriously, 70 million people were without power. And the way it works, John, is, is fascinating. I've re I'm really studying on well, this. Well, before you, before you say that, I'm, you know what the, what the word is on that power outage, right? No, you know how they I, I, it. no, I know what happened, but go ahead. Oh, yeah, it was a storm. No, it, no I heard a different story. Oh, I, here, I've got, hold on, I've, I've got the... Super hackers. Super what? Super hackers. Oh, that would be a They've good hacked the grid down there, and they're just showing off. It's like a nah, Smirsh or some no, James no, Bond no. group. I'm looking at the AFP report, Agent France Presse. Oh, and, the French, though. We already know that they won't <laughs> take the shot. Yeah, so they, they say... Um, Atmospheric storm, atmospheric discharges, very strong wind and rain. <laughs> so apparently the grid can't handle wind and rain uh, in South America. Yeah, because it never rains down there. So first of all, we know there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the, with the polar mag uh, the, the magnetism of the poles changing and planes are going down in the southern hemisphere. Uh, of course, Airbuses mainly because they're so over-automated. Um, but uh, what what is happening is you have these uh, gateways to the sun. These are these. Uh, in fact, there's a there's a couple of very famous ones uh, in uh, in South America, uh, mainly uh, Chile, Bolivia, Paraguay, Brazil, Argentina, and these things react to certain types of gravitational waves. Which, of course, when you're flinging magnets around at the speed of light, you can only imagine that maybe you create some kind of gravitational pull. And it's, it's basically shocking the Earth. The Earth being made, one of the most common, well, people don't know this, one uh. of the most, listen to me now, one uh. of the most common substances on Earth is silicon, right? Would you agree? 
It's a lot of it. Yeah, it's the, called okay. sand. Yeah, sand, silicon. There's like 25% of the Earth's crust is made of silicon. It's highly conductive. Okay? So and you, and in fact we're using it. You're li- you're listening on you're listening to sand, okay? We're pounding sand right now. It's all sand based. And when you when you're under the earth's crust and you're putting gravitational shit into sand, it has absolute effects. So they had to shut the thing down because it started to overheat and they said, "Oh, a bird pooped in the machine." Literally, that's the report. Oh, a bird pooped on some piece of the machine so we had to shut it down. No, I dropped a baguette supposedly. Yeah, a baguette. Well, meanwhile, 70 million people without electricity. I'm telling you, this is the Large Hadron Collider. It's bad news. It should not be allowed to operate. I'm against it. Well, for one thing, silicon's not conductive, A, which is kind of... It, what do you mean? Of course it's... Con- I'm not, not oh, yeah, for- sure. Of course it's... What, what That's it- why it's used as the, as the basis for semiconductor products, which have like circuits going on. If it was conductive, it would just short out. Doesn't make any sense. Okay, so let's just go with how is it conductive? You, you, you stick up. You, you, you stick need a, to read up on Tesla, my friend. You need to really understand uh, how so the earth just, crust works. This is works. all total crackpot stuff. Now that okay, said, okay, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> hey, John. What's John, that? What's that? Hey, John. John, look over here. So. Uh, <laughs> You call go ahead, call it crackpot stuff. Let me put it this way. Ugh. That's the eh, they want me to get out of the room. Hold on. Yeah, we're checking out in a few minutes. Thank you. <laughs> I thought this was one of your sound effects. <laughs> crackpot calling the kettle black. Hey, we gotta go. <laughs> the show has got to end. I'm being kicked out of the room. <laughs> We have what to stop. Is- it's twelve o'clock over here. I gotta stop. Yeah, I'm gonna play. You didn't little, have room I'm gonna play extension. The end what? No, yeah. I, I. You know, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end All of right, the we'll show. Con- we'll continue this discussion <laughs> next week. We have. Yeah, we'll talk about it on Thursday. We definitely have stuff to talk about, and I and I, I suggest you do some research, John, on how we how silicon is used, because just because you're a tech journalist doesn't mean you know everything. I don't know anything, <laughs> but I could, it would help if we had more money. So uh, please go to noagendashow.com and give us a hand. Yeah, that that, that would actually be very very helpful. Uh, so coming to you from the short stay uh, La Quinta Crackpot Command Center in upstate New York in Armonk, <laughs> where we're being kicked out under eminent domain of removal of our physical bodies. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where the sun is shining, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back with you, and we'll bring you another jam-packed hour and a half of entertainment, uninterrupted by commercials, if you give us some money. On Thursday, on No Agenda.